0: To the Victorious Living Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Young, and I am so excited about today's show. I'm always excited, but today I'm especially excited because we have an awesome guest. And it is none other than the lovely Minister Latasha Fields. Welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to be a you. Likewise. And y'all, she has a bio on her. Let me tell you all who we have in the building. Latasha, alongside her husband, Ronald, co-pastors of Our Report Ministries and Publications in Chicago, Illinois, which serves as an evangelistic outreach ministry. Latasha is the founder of Christian Home Educators Support System and Kahijil Group Christian Academy, EPIC Cafe, Empowering Parents, Igniting Communities. That's what EPIC stands for. Team Illinois, and a podcast host of the Be Louder from the Bottom Up podcast. It's a good one. I highly suggest you all subscribe. She is the Illinois State Coordinator for ParentalRights.org, a 1776 Unites Achiever, 21st Ward Republican Committee woman, chaplain of the Southside Republicans Organization, a former candidate for Lieutenant Governor of Illinois, and has over 22 years of entrepreneurial experience with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. At the Congressional House Committee on the Budget for Poverty in America, The Economic Realties of Struggling Families, Latasha testified about her own story of resilience. Additionally, her opinion piece, God, Parents, in the 1619 Project, featured in the Wall Street Journal, provides insight into her underlying message of autonomy. Latasha has been featured on multiple shows, including Fox & Friends, Newsmax, and C-SPAN to discuss the effects of bureaucracy on the familiar structure and the harmful effects of progressive policies on family autonomy and freedom. Latasha is a passionate, bold, spirit-filled leader that believes in conservative biblical principles and parents having the ultimate authority to train up and direct the care and education of their children. For the past 16 years, she has advocated for increased parental authority in education and urged parents to remove their children from government schools. Additionally, she has consistently stressed the importance of adhering to core values within classrooms that promote a balanced curriculum focused on critical thinking and academic excellence instead of divisive political agendas that indoctrinate and sexualize impressionable children. Latasha was awarded the Illinois Family Institute 2021 Voice of Truth Award, recognizing her faithfulness and efforts to rescue students from the apostles of wokeism in government schools. Latasha and her husband, Ronald, were born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. However, the Lord called them to serve the resilient people of Illinois residing in the city of Chicago since 2011. Latasha and Ronald have been married for 17 years. Together, they have four beautiful children, a homeschooled college grad, and currently homeschooling three of their children alongside other children from the community, okay? And you can read more about this amazing woman of God at www.teamil.org, and you can connect with her on social media. We'll be sharing her handles more later, because she's got some family stuff coming up that you will want to connect with her on. Welcome, Latasha Fields. Much I care, God bless you. Thank you. God. bless you. So let's get into your story a bit. I listened to in your bio, you talked about your congressional testimony, and it blew me away. But for my listeners who have not yet heard that testimony, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory and some things that you have overcome?
1: Oh wow. Where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> just just grateful. Uh, what God has done in my life. Um, so as as you read to your listeners, yes, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, so everything about me, of course, begins there. Um, and so I've been able and blessed by God to um, come through the statistics, if you will, of being a single mom. I was a single mom for eight years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> just uh, being raised in Baton Rouge, uh, unfortunately with the the typical stereotypes, if you will. Um, but I guess, I guess there wasn't stereotypes, you know. Um, there is a culture of, of things, you know. My mom was on drugs, you know, uh, raised by my grandmother. My sister and I just have one sister. Uh-huh. You know? And so we we went through, if you will, the, the channels of that, you know, with, with her in and out of, not just she was on drugs, she was in and out of prison as well. And so my grandmother had to step in and, and raise us. And um, I, I became, a, again, a teenage mom at seventeen. Um, that was a very uh, trying time for me, such a turning point in my life, um, because I was one that somewhat kind of recognized, if you will, mm-hmm. the decisions my mom was making. Um, and I, I kind of pride myself that I, I didn't want to be like that. You know, I didn't want to do the things that she, that she had done or did. Um, I was a very good student in school. Uh, so for me, that was that was my outlet then. Uh I was big on education, you know, and um, just was in everything, you know, sports and different things like that. I guess that that kept me occupied from not kind of focusing on, you know, what I had to deal with when I when I went home. Um, and so, getting becoming a teenage mom uh, was very very devastating uh, for mm-hmm. me. Um, it 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 made me feel like in the beginning that I had destroyed my life, mm-hmm. you know because again academically I, I had i had gold I was going to the navy, you know, and so uh I had dreams and aspirations, and I was just like, i'm gonna get out the hood if you will, you know <laughs> i'm gonna get through all of this and and so unfortunately, I went to Planned Parenthood, right mm. um you know like most people do if you will um and and I never forget it my my best friend that was my best friend at that time i i you know, I can remember like it was yesterday, and it's been over 26 years now because my my baby's 26 years old.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But the the nurse, because I was crying, and you know, you know, because I was pregnant, and you know, I was just like my grandmother, go kill me. You know. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't ask for an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, she suggested an abortion. Mm-hmm. 'cause I was just, just bawling my eyes out. You know, I'm seventeen, you know, I'm I'm literally, I was literally just screaming it out and I was crying. Like, oh my God, i gonna ruined my life. And um and as she went to get the the brochures, me and my uh best friend then we were just in there crying and talking. And and the thing that that why my baby's here today is because, you know, I had a tough grandma. Well I had a tough grandmother, mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and I could just hear her voice just saying, you make your bed hard, you lie. Yeah. And we were raised with consequences. You know, there are consequences for your action, you know, and that's why in my opinion piece and everything I do, there is a serious personal responsibility for things, right? there, There is autonomy. There is consequences for the decisions we make. And and that voice, you know, I didn't know Christ did. You know, I didn't I didn't I didn't have any uh, blueprint for that. I didn't. That was not if you were the voice at that time that that led my decision. It was my grandma. Mm-hmm. She was a church grown woman. You know, uh, we were raised in the church, but I'm 17 now. So I'm typical. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that just kept playing in my mind. I kid. And, mm-hmm. and that's all I kept thinking. My grandmother's going to kill me, you know, mm-hmm. and. And when the lady came back, I, I I just told her I couldn't do it, and I told her that I prefer to live with the decision that that I I saved my baby because they, they couldn't tell me it wasn't a baby. You know, mm. I, I was in honors biology in the school, so I was a good student in the school. <laughs> so you couldn't tell me that it, I was not three even though I was three weeks. I, I knew I had a child. Yes. Yeah. I, I just said, you know, it was only two decisions. Either I live with the decision that I killed a child for the rest of my life. I either live with that, or I live with the decision to keep my baby hmm. and just see and, and travail. And and that's the decision, of course, I chose, and I thank God for it. Um, and so that, that was my um, short version of, of my teenage upbringing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thank God for his grace, because I tell people, I didn't know him, but he knew me.
2: Hey, hey you know, amen.
1: And I thank him every day, you know. And and I tell mm-hmm. my baby, you know, especially with the, the the state that the world is in now, and how mm-hmm. uh, aborting your child is just such a uh, normalcy, unfortunately. Now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I still look at her, and I and I still repent mm-hmm. for even having to contemplate. Wow. And people don't understand that. I, I cannot imagine the women that actually do it. Mm-hmm. Actually one, what they could be feeling and, and, and experiencing in their mind and their heart. Here, mine is here and, I, and it still haunts me.
2: Yeah. No I know
1: of how that procedure is done,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the life that I could have taken, and, and, and the phenomenal woman that she is today. Yeah. So, you know, we weathered that storm. Praise God, me and her, you know. Amen. Yeah, yeah, we weathered that. And uh, God has been so faithful and so good. So for the first eight years of her life, it was just me and her. And I was a hustler. I was getting it, you know what I'm saying? Working two, three jobs a lot of times. And um, fighting to finish college and all those things. And, uh, but we made it, you know, we, we made it through.
0: Now that, man, that is so awesome that you... You put your own feelings of, oh, my God, my grandma's going to kill me. Like, what am I going to do? You put that to the side, even that you had that kind of mindset at 17 to just be like, I'm not going to make this baby pay for my mistake. I'm just going to this is going to be hard. Like you knew it was going to be hard, but you still decided, you know, to go ahead and keep your daughter. I've met her. She is gorgeous, beautiful young lady. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about how, because you were able to take you guys from a poverty situation to owning your own house at a young age. Tell me about that. Because that, like, when I heard that point, that little part of, I was like, girl, what? Because it's full grown adults that (laughs) are still trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, So I want to hear a little bit about that for our listeners.
1: Yeah. So again, I, I, I was just, I was just one of the tough ones, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So I just refuse to allow the, the naysayers to keep mm. me down on the stigmas and the statistics. I, like I said, I just refuse to be a statistic, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I just think my whole upbringing, everything that was around me, I've always wanted to contradict that, you yes. know, uh, fight against that. It was just in me, my kid, you know, it was mm-hmm. just there. And so, here I am, I I have this baby, you know, I didn't turn, because me and her birthday is a week apart, so, yeah, so I was, I had her at 17 and a week later I turned 18, you know, and so here I am, I had this baby, um, we're living with my grandmother and, um, and so in that environment, you know, I was encouraged to get food stamps and all these things. I, I never liked those programs, you know. I, I was just like, I don't want this stuff. And so was like, "Girl, you better get the food stamps, <laughs> you know. So you know, all that's being said. So you know, I get the food stamps or whatever. And um, and so I, I wanted my own, you know. I'm like, I, I'm a mother. I have to. I have to take care of this girl, you know. So I had got my first apartment, and my grandmother was there to help me with that, and. Um, but the real estate office that I, I I went to to rent the apartment, they have shared with me, of course, on many occasions, but they've seen something in me, my Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I'm just an 18-year-old little knucklehead girl, whatever, right? <laughs> and I, I just go in and I want to rent. You know, I'm not going in with a life story. You know, I just want to rent. You know, it's just me and my baby. And um, they, you know, they told me in the process of time, it was just something about me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm renting from them for a whole year. I'm paying my little rent on time. Back then, my rent was like literally $250. So we talking about <laughs> 25 years ago, right? And uh, I'm working at Burger King. You know, that was my first job. And I uh, I had been working at Burger King since I was 15 because I mm-hmm. had a program at my high school. I think it was called DECA. You know, so they teach you like entrepreneur skills and vocation, you know, how to type and how yeah. to do. And all this stuff and you to
0: get wonder a- if they still have that today because these this generation needs it more than ever. Yeah. yeah so basically what we know to be vocational or something. Yeah like that.
1: so they had that and so um I was working there and I just kept the job even after I finished high school I kept the job you know and so I was making four dollars and twenty five cents an hour at Bird King. That was a lot of money back then though, right? <laughs> <laughs> that must have been 1995, I believe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, well, 96, 97, because Ty was born in 96. So this was mm-hmm. like 96, on wanted to 97, right? Okay. And so um, so a year later, uh, I get a phone call. And I'm sorry, Adobe, you know, it's just it's just so important these little steps. So back oh, then we had call ID box. I don't know if anybody what <laughs> call ID box, right? With yeah. no, no smartphones, right? Either you had a beeper or you, you had your butt at home. <laughs> phone like and so I see Roy Carter Realty come across the, the um, my call ID box. And I'm like, I paid my rent. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I answer. And so Lisa, uh, so she's like, Tasha, da, 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 you know, Mr. Carter, want to talk to you. So I'm like, okay, I'll come down to the office or whatever. So I go down. And they cornered me in the 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 management office, Lisa's office, and they just start pouring out, you know, I'm a great young lady and all this. And I'm just standing there like, what? (laughs) Everything they were saying verbatimly, but they just started just exalting me, you know, help me to buy a house and this, this and that. And I'm standing there like, okay. (laughs) So I started crying and stuff. So I'm all excited, like. You want me to buy a house? I don't know how to buy a house. You know, mm-hmm. that's what did it. You know, they—they, mm. they, uh, it was just God intervention, just God, yes, you know, and and so they walked me through the process, and and I bought a house, um, at 18 years old, going into 19. What? I had a three-bedroom, one-bath house, completely renovated. Completely beautiful home, hardwood floors. Uh, me and Ty thought we was rolling, you know. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the house was 40,000 miles, I'll never forget, it was a 40,000 house home, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, that was then, you know. And um, and I mean, it was just beautiful, it was a beautiful home. And and I mean, my whole everybody was shocked. I mean, we just had you know, it was just wow, you know. And uh, so that that's how that happened, and so. So from there, you know, because of of the love from this real estate office, you know, it's a black owned real estate office. You know, Mr. Carter's still alive today. Every time I go back home, that that's my real estate dad, if you will. You know, <laughs> and uh, and they 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 just took me in, you know. Mm-hmm. They, it was just a God thing. And and so a year after that, I believe I get another phone call from them, and, and now I'm working there. You know, oh. and. That that's what really started me on my business journey, mind, and, you know, it, it has a lot to do with the woman I am today um, because of the, you know, the skills and the professionalism that I learned from Mr. Carter, his wife, and everybody that was in that office. And so I started in real estate when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's a part of my entrepreneur Uh, background. So I was a realtor in Louisiana. I own my own property management company, you know, certified in nonprofit housing, etc. So they they are a huge part of of my life. Yeah. Mm.
0: So
1: that that's how all that started.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now I just have to interject something because I already know how the devil is and how he'll try to, you know, put his thing down, flip it and reverse it and get his little Leviathan on. So When Latasha was talking a few moments ago about how she did not want to have the food stamp programs and she did not want to be on government assistance, um, I can speak a little bit as to why, and I want you to chime in, uh, because this is not a dig at anybody who has to use those programs right now. This is not uh, looking down our nose on people on food stamps. Not at all. This is not that. This is just real talk. There is, uh, because if you need help, you need help. Um, But there's a, a way that if you're not careful, you can end up stuck on those programs. And how it happens is while you're on those programs, you are capped at how much money you can make. If you make over a certain amount, they'll take all your benefits. So that over a certain amount, may still not be a whole lot of money, but then if they take all your benefits, then that other money won't be enough to sustain you either, so you just kind of like shoot, I don't know what to do, let me just stay here so that I can keep my benefits um that's the trap aspect of it that um, yeah, so what yeah, you may want to speak a bit for, that. for me
1: for real i and and my family will tell you that. this is no lie, I was not taught to think differently. I just did, right? Gotcha. They thought I was crazy because I didn't want it. At 17, 18 years old. I didn't mm-hmm. want it because for me, I didn't like I didn't like, if you will, the what I know now to be the spiritual aspect. Okay. I didn't use those words back then, of course, but I didn't like how it shaped people's personality. I didn't like how it for some people, it was a bed of slothfulness and poverty. See, yeah. I was a go getter. I was a hustler. I didn't I didn't want to be controlled. I didn't like the fact that if I get this, then I can't do this. So for me, mm-hmm. it was a control mechanism. I'm yeah. not going to control my life. And then I I had a little pride. You know, I'm not going to be begging you for anything. <laughs> oh, hey, you know. And then my grandmother said, then okay. So then a huge part of it was. My grandmother was the hardest working woman I knew then to today, and she's dead and gone. Mm. She always worked two to three jobs. And so in raising me and my sister, she was not on welfare. My grandmother bought a house in 1972. Mm. I was raised with a homeowner. I was raised around someone that taught you work, you work. She didn't teach government dependency. Even though family members were saying, get the food. My grandmother was not teaching depend on government. My grandmother was teaching, go get a job. You go to work. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that played a lot into it that I I wasn't per se directly raised on it, family members yet, but not not where I laid my head with my grandmother. So I think yeah. she had a she played a huge, huge reason why, even unconsciously, I pushed back against a lot of things, you know, yes. because I've seen such a strong work ethic from her, you know, and here's my grandmother. She didn't even have a middle school education. I think maybe mm-hmm. second grade or something. Right. Wow, she was a janitor. My grandmother was a janitor all her life, all her working. Mm-hmm. Life. You know, so this is somebody I literally seen work hard. You know, and she she was a a, a janitor at, at LSU all my life. You know, until she till she you know couldn't do it anymore. What happened? Yeah. So that's the thing. And you're right. This is not to vomit on anybody. I'm just telling my story. Right. You know, in terms of the way I viewed it and seen seen it. And then once once I did get into real estate. And, and I was heavily in the, the rent, the property management sector. I really began to see a whole different side of it that was very spiritual, mm. very spiritual. Another podcast, right? And, mm-hmm. and when I would deal with Section 8 tenants and have to deal with the uh, Section 8 office, it, it just, it, it really put me against it, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking. Spiritual. It really put me against it. Uh, and you're right, it was a trap, it was a rat race, and it and it was just a bed of poverty spiritually. It just embedded yeah. that thought process. And then I didn't like uh, a lot of my tenants, you know, they felt that government was entitled to take care of them. So it was a spirit of entitlement, mm-hmm. you know, women having multiple children and feeling as though the government owes them because they have multiple children. You know, yeah. and so I've been in a lot of debates and arguments with a lot of my <laughs> tenants that somebody went to bed with you. <laughs> you no know, brother back there is the one right and mm-hmm. so i've always been that person and that's why for me i didn't believe taxpayers owed me anything because mm-hmm. i had nobody yeah. it was nobody fault. i had that little girl but me and her dad yeah and so i put the blame on me and him it was his responsibility to take care of her and be that he chose not to then i had to do it. i didn't government ain't owed me anything yeah the only thing government has ever owed me and to this day is opportunity The only thing I want government to do is get out of my way so that (laughs) I can go get the opportunity so I can do what I need to do to take care of my family. And so that's been my mind since a teenager. It had nothing to do with Republican, had nothing to do with Democrat, had to do with conservative, it's just it's just the way the way I thought, the way I was raised. And so yes, I'm glad you interjected that that this is not the vomit, but I am one that you know, let's progress off that stuff, you know, yes. and that's why I was asked to come to testify before Congress because of that, you know, that mm-hmm. we need to be advocating more education in our community, more vocational and trade skills in our community, yes. not big government, not government dependency. So I am definitely anti big government. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know. Hey. Stuff gonna be hard, you know, like you, like you, you, you said, and I know, I knew it was gonna be hard. And trust me, we don't even have enough time to tell you what <laughs> I went through. Man, it was hard as heck. And yeah. it's you know, Planned Parenthood. And let me be honest. I didn't abort her, but I did take Planned Parenthood other services. I got mm-hmm. a depot shot, Nakia, mm-hmm. and I was on the for Vera. I didn't know the, the the side effects and the consequences mm-hmm. of things that I know now from watching my Alpha 21 and different things, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. But um. One thing, uh, many things that I learned, I knew I wouldn't have another baby out of the way Yeah. I was determined not to have another kid because it was hard. I knew how hard life was. I knew how hard it was out there. And so I did. I faithfully went to Planned Parenthood every three months and got that shot because I didn't want another kid. Now, hey, I'm I'm who I am. I knew I wasn't going to be good, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to be good. So- You know, I I knew I didn't want another, another kid. And so that, that, that was the thing, you know? And so you better understand that I, I I just didn't, and that was free. I say, again, government, you gonna give me what I believe is going to benefit. You know, you're you're not going to give me something that's going to keep me trapped and stuck, you know? Yeah. So when I found Christ, you know, I got saved and and met my husband, you know, of course I, I, I stopped. You know, I didn't. I didn't go back to Planned Parenthood and all those things, but, um, but that was my journey, and it was very hard. My kid, it was, mm. it was hard, you know, um, man, that was a rough eight years. You know, yeah. it was, it was very hard, but we made it. You know, me and Ty made it. You know, and 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 that was my um, my field to run to Christ. You know, yeah. I, I all the time I came to Christ for my baby. Mm. You know, I felt I was tired. I was going through a lot in my life. You know. I was I was tired, Uh, and and I don't. This is probably the first time I'm when I'm about to speak. I've ever spoke publicly. I've been married before, Hmm. Um, In my first marriage he beat me. Wow. Right? Yeah. Um, And and so, you know, I I I felt like in my life I felt like I hadn't been through it all. You know.
2: Yeah.
1: I hadn't been through enough for me, you know. And I came to Christ. And and funny, I came to Christ to save my daughter. That's that was my mind. Like, oh my I had God. to come for her. I had to come so that I can be a better mom for her. Everything was for her. I had to do it for her. I didn't care what nobody said, thought, or felt, you're gonna leave me and this little girl alone, right? Yeah. And and that's what it was. And 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 that's why I gave my wife because I didn't want her to have the psychological scars that I had. You know, mm-hmm.
2: I, I went through a lot
1: with my mom. You know, with her being on drugs and out there in the streets like that, uh, it's a lot. You know, it was a lot, and and um, and then for a while I had to take care of my sister. So I was a mother to my sister. My sister lived with me when I bought my home. You know, so I had to raise her. And she finished high school with me. You know, so I had to take on a lot at a young age. You know, wow. uh, used to. You know, unfortunately, most of us do. Yeah. And so I had to be strong. You mm-hmm. know. And that's why I used to tell my sister, because my sister, you know, if she hear this podcast, she'd give me. But she's like a little crabby, right? <laughs> yeah, but she's tough though. But she, she, you know, I used to tell her, stop all that crying. you know. <laughs> you know? And so I've always felt like we don't have time for that, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody got to be the stronger person. Somebody got to be the big person. And I said, yeah. it's just gonna be me, you know. And 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 when I was fourteen, I kid, you know. The narcotics kicked my mom's door in and beat her down, you know, so I didn't sing a lot, you know, um, I didn't I didn't, sing a lot, you know, and and it's nothing but the grace of God that I came out in my right mind. Well, some mm-hmm. people may not think so, but I think so. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> I, you know, and I never resorted to drugs. I never used drugs. I never smoked weed. I never drank or anything. And okay. all that was my life. All that was in my environment. You know, and I never resorted to those things, in spite of the the stress and the pressures. You know, Um I just thank God for His strength. You know that that mm-hmm. He, you know, so it was a lot. I went through a lot, but but God, but you know, God, but God. You know,
0: listen, <laughs> oh girl. Okay, so I got the child. I'm gonna throw a Christian that ain't even on my list because I'm you. Used- <laughs> You got me with the the first husband, you know, coming through a domestic violence situation. Um any number of the things that you mentioned in your past could have um caused you to have a very hardened heart or to have a a poor perception of yourself. There's some things that we go through in life that the actual events that happened is is one thing, but the mental trauma and the mental, spiritual, and emotional trauma behind the events is a whole other thing. And so I want to know just a little bit about how you even became healed enough to accept this wonderful man into your life that you have now. Because sometimes we could be so hardened, God could give us the answer to our prayers, and we will just have walls up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so when
1: I when I got out of the first situation, um, you know how you hear the old folks say, you know, in the psalmist, get in your prayer classes. hmm Literally, I got in the class for real, my kid. I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, girls and them here the old folks, get in your prayer classes, you know. <laughs> and I did. I I got in the literal class.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I began to wail and talk to God. And and literally I can remember and I used to say, I don't know you, but I know you know me. Hmm. And I just began to cry out to him, you know. And I was a club and everything. So I was not in church, none of that. I was, you know, I, I was the girl. I didn't smoke a drink, but I liked the club scene. So I used to like to dress up like I kid. You know, <laughs> give me the half to five dress. I was that girl, right? <laughs> and so um, I, I really just went to him. I went to him. Like, I was so tired. I was mm-hmm. so tired. And then I think the devil was trying to kill me. I was suffering with migraines, really, really bad, really bad. And um, I think I was really, I was stressed. I was very stressed. And um, and I, even in even in suffering with the migraine, I wouldn't let him give me no medication. I'm t- I was just really, I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would not let them, they tried to diagnose me clinically. Depressed. They tried, I wouldn't receive it. I'm sorry, I ain't no cry. And I just, I'm t- that little girl, I'm telling you, I love my baby. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying, if I let these people tell me I'm crazy, who go raise my baby? Mm-hmm.
2: Like, because
1: I didn't have the support system. I'm like, who, who, my mom? Like, Like, I didn't feel no, and I love my family, but I didn't feel no one was equipped enough to take care of her, right? Yeah. So I had to make sure that I was strong, mentally, physically, spiritually, everything to protect that little girl. That, I'm telling you, my baby was, she was my little Jesus, I'm telling <laughs> you. I, I, everything I did was for her. And so I knew I couldn't let them tell me I was crazy because I had to take care of this little girl. And so I, I started, I went to God. And then I say, no, I can't let her see no man beating up on me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She seen it, she witnessed it, right? And um, my baby was just howling. And I said, okay, no, we, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry. So, oh, cool. She's 26, and it's still like, yeah. So I knew. I yeah. I couldn't let my baby spin. I couldn't yeah. have her in that environment, right? Yeah. So I went to God, okay. and He gave me the strength. He gave me the strength, the mind, and the peace. And I had to snap out of it. And Tasha had to do what she had to do. I had that real mm-hmm. estate knowledge because I had been moved out of out of Baton Rouge in another town. And city. so he had moved me away from everybody or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I had to do what I knew to do. I had to find this little girl somewhere to stay. I had to get around him. You know, I had to go. Yeah. And, and I told God of many things. One thing I would not let this situation do is sour me. I hard my heart yeah. with one of his sons. And I remember that verbatim. I don't remember everything I told God, but I remember God telling telling God that I know one of your sons would not treat me like this. One mm. of your sons would not do this to me. Mm. And I was not gonna allow this guy to harden my heart because I wanted my daughter with a father. Because I never have. Mm. I wanted my baby with a family. Remember everything was about her. Yeah. I with a family i wanted her with a dad with a father in her life i wanted to be a wife i wanted a husband Mm -hmm. and so i just refused to allow that knucklehead to harden my heart you know because i'm like nah i know god got something and i knew it and i believed it with everything in me Mm
2: -hmm. i walked
1: away from that situation never looked back you know people was saying all kind of stuff and I had church people trying to tell. And I said, listen, if it's God, if this boy is God, he'll turn it around. He'll, God will fix it. Y'all say he all powerful and he do all this stuff. So, <laughs> hey, let him do what he do. All I know, I'm about to go, right? Hey. What's that? And so I walked away from that. And that's how I got the strength. I looked to my baby. I looked to God first, of course. But yes. it was her. And it was her, not him. Sure. It was her. She deserved. Everything she deserved better, she didn't ask for all of my baggage, mm-hmm. she didn't ask for this, these crazy choices that I'm making, she didn't deserve that. So yeah. I felt like I needed to do everything within my power to make sure that she had a better life than I had. Yeah, that was that is why, and that is how God blessed me with raw feels <laughs> you know. Oof. And, and and yeah, and he did it. God did it. God did it. Oh, Lord, I love that man. God did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here we are, 17 years later.
0: Man, and now you have three additional children. <laughs> yeah,
1: three other little boys. Uh,
0: <laughs> this is such an inspiring story, you guys. This is Victoria's Living Solutions podcast. And so, you know, a lot of times in church, we just hear, you know, I went through a lot you know, but God, and I got the victory. Like, she didn't took her time and took you through. It's like, yeah, I got the victory, but how? <laughs> yeah. This podcast is all about pointing you to the how. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's a child. i to need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I want to get stuck right there so bad, but I have some other questions I want to ask you. So now you get on the other side of that and you meet this wonderful man you come to Chicago and child we don't even have enough we would have to do a whole other podcast to cover the amount of kingdom impact the two of you have made in this city since you got here Uh, how did you get involved in the the politics and community activism and all of that how did that come about yeah so we get married and
1: and and my husband, believe it or not, you know, God is, I, I tell, I tell people all the time, me, my husband is like a John the Baptist and a Jesus. Like I'm like, I'm like the John the Baptist, he Jesus, right? So mm-hmm. I'm always paving the way for brother, right? Brother. <laughs> I'm just a voice in the wilderness screaming out, get your kids to safety. <laughs> um, but my husband has always been politically minded and governmental minded because he understands the word of God, right? Okay. And so when we got married, My husband was 25, I was 26 or 27, so he was just always a powerhouse, if you will, for the days of God. You're talking about a brother that had gave his life to Christ at 21, Mm -hmm. had to celebrate with God, just, just, Mm -hmm. man, just, oh my God. And so I'm still honored, after 17 years, to be his wife, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after a year of us being married, the Lord started... Well, the Lord had already been dealing with me about kids, outreach, youth, even before mm-hmm. I So when I came out the first marriage, that's when God really, so let me start on a little bit. That's when God kind of started dealing with me. Because mm-hmm. I went to a kid. I went to God. Yeah. God saved me. I got saved. Right? Some people play. I got saved. <laughs> <laughs> I got saved. And, and so he just started immediately dealing with me um, about outreach youth and discipleship with children. So Kaija was birthed, the name of my school is Kinder Youth Incorporated Jesus X and Love. Okay. It was birthed after I came out of that first situation in 2004. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so when I met Ronald in the the, the church that I met him at the ministry, so to speak, I already had came with an evangelistic ministry, an evangelistic call in my life, that I knew God wanted me to be a children's family in the restoration family. And, and I think part of why I Seeing my daughter the way that I seen her, like every parent does, but mm-hmm. just by like everything I did, it was so tie focused. It was so centerfold. Yeah. I think that I think God doing that to me has a lot to do with who I have become. Yeah, because I'm very parent like mm-hmm. kid focused, like kids, right? And so, um, so me and Ronald gets married, and so in the process of time, a year later, God calls me to homeschool time yeah that that is what led me to what i know what i have known for years and know now the political lenses of how i see things yeah what i learned in in homeschooling or pulling her out legislation guides all of those things policy guides those things in all 50 states Every state is different in terms of the laws revolving around homeschooling and the freedom and yeah. autonomy to homeschool. So that's what started me paying attention, if you will, to policy wow. and political things. So that's the sharp version. So that's what did it for me. Um, and so back in Louisiana, I was a, I was a strong advocate for homeschooling. Okay. Getting your kids out of public school. So I've always, um, always been a loud, big mouth about that. <laughs> 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 and, and so god was dealing with my husband even bef- even two years before he met me that he would send him here to chicago for evangelism so this is this is a huge part of his ministry His mm-hmm. a call and so once we got married he started sharing with me what god was dealing with him with and then in after we were married six years mm-hmm. um, the lord would just keep it before him prophetically through dreams and visions like i'm gonna and he would just show him all. i'm gonna be honest long story short everything that we've been we have done thus far God so showed my husband through dreams. I love it. Just, love you know, it. make a long story short. And <laughs> so, um, we knew we were coming here one day. We just didn't know when. Yeah. Know? And and so the time came, October 2011, and my husband came to the school because we had a school back home and, and, and different things. And my husband is a barber. So we, we were cold, uh, or in a barbershop back home and, and I was doing real estate and we had school and things like that. And so we uprooted and, and left a lot, you know, uh, because the cost of living is quite different <laughs> from that <ribbon. laughs> it's And and so um so in the natural, we we left a lot to obey the call of God to 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 come up here to uh Chicago and to to be with the most wonderful people I've ever met, to be with our huh. Illinois Chicago family. <laughs> I love you guys. And so um we obey God and we had three kids at that time. My, our oldest child was 15. The boys were four and two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I tell you, we came up here with one of them babies in pull-ups, you know. <laughs> um, and we obeyed God, and we literally had $300 to that. Mm-hmm. And And
2: uh,
1: we left We left everything. And and it wasn't pretty another podcast. Family didn't like it.
2: Oh, and, uh, yeah. We had
1: lost our mind. Coming <laughs> and so, but we obeyed God. And uh, he has been so faithful to us since we've been in this city for eleven years. We we bought a home seven years ago. Um, my husband owns the shop he's in, two businesses actually. I mean, he's just been good to us. He's, he's I mean, God ain't missed a beat. He's been faithful, and
2: Amen.
1: and so that's how we got here, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely a call ministry. And I, uh, when we got here, literally after a few weeks after we got here, I hit the pavement. I killed. Yeah. I started making flyers, putting them in libraries because all I'm thinking about, they got to get their kids out of public school. <laughs> and so I immediately became, came in my own little world of voice for for the families here in Chicago immediately, okay. and I, um, and me and my babies, we would go because we was living in the Woodlawn community first okay. who we came to first, and um, and I would go to Bessie Coleman Library. It's like up the street from the house, and we would walk to the library, and I would just have class with my three in the library. Parents would see. You know, I was like, "Yeah, we're school you know, and uh, you know, befriended the librarians, you know, and so mm-hmm. then I started reserving a room, and I would just have class at the library, and then I would have Bible study with the kids in the community, and 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 here we are, you know. So people would talk this crazy lady in the library to my homeschooling or whatever and stuff, and so it just got out, and and God just moved and connected and connected and connected, and 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 so. From there, God elevated my voice, you know, with with some things, and um, and that's how I got into politics. Yes. <laughs> Another level of politics, if you will. Right. Uh, just just by homeschooling, just by just just loving on parents and empowering parents, and and loving on the beautiful concept of family, you mm. know, just wanting that I didn't have it, and I tell my daughter all the time, "What you have, I didn't have." Mm. You know, so I, mm-hmm. it's like I look afar off from her and just like, man, you know, i <laughs> what we didn't have, we are my, my husband, you know. And so we're giving our children what we didn't have and that's family. Yeah. You know, and we love the concept of family, We love what God has done, you know. And um, and so that that's how I get involved in politics. I'm I'm here to protect them. Hey,
0: amen. Now you guys, I have to say her school that she's got. She has created a way for single moms who would like to homeschool, but they can't because they have to go to work. Uh, She's created a way for them to receive schooling because she keeps their kids in her basement teaching them their academics and homeschooling. So, in addition to that, she also has the chess co op, and that is how Latasha and I met because some of you guys already know that we're homeschool parents as well. How do you manage? And keep a collaborative, strife-free environment with so many different parents and kids. Like, how are you managing all of that? First Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 just think, I just think
1: it's him. And I think me and my husband, we're very transparent. We're very open, you know. And um it it's just, it's just been a beautiful dynamic all these years, you know. Uh, Cause you're right. I have I have the parents on the private school side that bring mm-hmm. their kids, you know. And sometimes you guys don't connect, you know, don't meet. I mean, like sometimes you don't meet the parents that kids that drop their kids off to me. But then I have you guys, you know, with the co with the homeschooling parents, and so mm-hmm. it's like two sets of parents that that yeah. I'm dealing with, um, and all my babies, you know. Um, I, I just I just think it, it's is 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 being very open about our faith. You know, mm. very open about who we are, and and not not my expectation, but his expectation. Yes. You know, and that's what I think it is. I think that's why we have such a you know uh environment where there's no strife. Yeah. And, and I was sharing with you, I haven't had, and, and I don't know people may think this. Is, I'm telling you. <laughs> Black women, you know, we we have already pushed back the myth. No, we're not combative, angry women. No, we're not. Mm-hmm. I have met some of the most loving, strong, powerful women I have ever met through Amen. the last sixteen, fifteen years. Hmm. And and I think God has sent them. I think that's the thing.
2: Yeah.
1: God has sent who he's one. He has connected who he has wanted to connect and another thing i have not been um i don't do a lot of uh promoting yeah per se, kind of it's it's just like god just do it you know
2: mm, like yeah.
1: even you you didn't meet me because there's no big old advertising if mm-hmm. it's just god just been moving on the hearts of people you know everybody mm-hmm. has made me just like i just typed something in or i heard you or i seen or whatever and i just think it's it's been him yeah and, I mean when you go on our website, I'm very open about how we believe, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I I do um because we're small, we're very intimate, I do make sure that I meet everybody. Yeah. You know, so before before you put do your John Hancock or before mm-hmm. you pay, come I invite everybody to the house. You know, we all country and hospitable. Come on to the house, you know, we're gonna cook and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And so I'm big on making sure that we all understand what his expectation is of us in terms of what we're going to offer our children, what we're going to do. And I think that that's what has kept us with a such a blessed environment. Now I've had something to come and go, of course. yeah, But it has not been yucky.
0: It hasn't been messy. like No, no. They could come back tomorrow and everything will be fine.
1: (laughs) Everybody from here Louisiana, you know, I'm one big on, we ain't going to burn no bridges. Right? You got to go, you got to Right. Whenever you come back, hey, we're here. We're we still love you know? Yeah. So I thank God that 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 is the reputation, if you will, mm-hmm. that my husband and I have that we are still loving on everybody. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so
1: that's how I think we keep it together. We keep Jesus at the center.
2: Amen.
1: You know, Amen. We don't we don't we don't put academics at the center. <laughs> we, don't, we don't wear the banner of homeschooling at the center. <laughs> you know, no, He's the center, and then everything else is 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 attached to that right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's the foundation. And I think that that's what has kept it, that we have not allowed ourselves to compromise for any reason. Yeah. You know, and we, we just stay focused on him and stay focused that we want our children discipled.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I definitely teach my children, you can get all the degrees you want. You can be as successful as you like, but that's not the key to heaven, right? That's not yeah. the key to the king. You know, God wants us to prosper in this life, but we have to prosper in him first. And I think- yes. That has been the dynamic that has made chess successful, if you will. Know? Mm-hmm. Made Kaiju successful. Because um, we love fellowship and um, we just have a good time.
0: Yeah. Amen. We do. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun group of people. And speaking of a fun group of people, as we come to a close, I hate to because I'm enjoying this conversation, but I want to, we can't get off without talking about Team Illinois. So, Team Illinois is it marries really well the faith, the politics, the education. It kind of pulls it all together. So tell us a little bit more about the um, Team Illinois organization. Yeah. So when I came off the campaign trail, you
1: know, mm-hmm. um, being nominated uh, for to run as lieutenant governor for Max Solomon, uh, that was a very... Uh, Oh, that was such a learning curve, you know. Learned a lot through through that experience. It was fun too, just a lot, just to travel the state and meet meet people. So that was quite an adventure. Um, what what me and my husband was praying about, you know, in. In traveling the state and talking to people and being advocates for education and family, I just knew we couldn't. I mean, we were already doing it before I was nominated for lieutenant governor. It's like God took it up a notch, right? Yeah. God is a God of elevation, right? He's always moving forward, always increasing. And so he, again, he dealt me through a dream about Team Illinois. So I didn't just like, oh, let's be Team Illinois. You know, I'm not, you know, I know we got to close, but he showed me something. Yeah. I was just like, wow. Okay, God. And let me just tell, share this with Illinois. God loves Illinois. Yes. He loves Illinois. I'm telling you, his hand is here, right? He is very attentive to what's happening in this state. Very attentive. And so he shared with me some things. And I said, okay, God, you
2: know.
1: And so that was the the prophetic birthing of Team Illinois, and, and I was just looking at everybody in our uh, telegram group, right? Mm-hmm. I got from different places of of the state, and so it just made sense. Like, okay, let's keep this going. You know, let's keep this train moving. You know, let's continue to affect change. Let's continue to um, promote and advocate for these biblical principles, these conservative principles that we all hold dear. Yes. Let's do the repairs of the breach, and that's what Team Illinois is founded upon. You know, to repair the breaches. You know, to be the um, those that 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 go through to repair, yeah. to restore, to bring restoration to our families and to our communities. And so, with Team Illinois, we have the five life initiatives. You know, and we all came up with that collectively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and one is family. You know, family is the umbrella. You know, everything stems from the family. And then you got education, you have government, and you have medical. And then with my daughter being in food, we have the food component, you know? Yeah. And so those are our five life initiatives. And everything kind of stems from those initiatives. And you write, and it, it all kind of merits it together. Because within the education initiative, you know, you have the homeschooling, we have school choice, and you have all these different options. And then government is where we kind of stick to the things that they're doing, like the gun stuff and all these other crazy <laughs> things, that doing, all these other crazy um, progressive policies that they're pushing and so that that's how Team Illinois was birthed with, with wonderful people like you guys and everybody collectively bringing their ideas to the table of how um, we're going to together, separately and together, we're going to advocate change, you know, we're going to engage our community and that's what it is, it's a civic engagement organization where everyone is uh, according to Romans 12, you know, operating in their measure, you know, operating in their gift, their function of the spirit mm-hmm. to change in their perspective community or in their perspective sphere because God gives all of us a sphere of influence. Yes, and so I, I I just thank God for that and so that that that's what Team Illinois is all about. He's really a team, yeah. you know, uh, for the state of Illinois. And hey, God uses all of us above and beyond Illinois sometimes too. Yes. Uh, so we we bless God for that. Yeah. So uh, I just encourage people to check us out. We're growing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, God is a God of increase, so so he's constantly um, moving upon our hearts, uh, giving us witty ideas
0: and things mm-hmm. to do to, to reach our family and friends and our community. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us and sharing your awesome testimony. I gotta give you a hand. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh. Thank you so
1: much for having me. It's always a
0: pleasant
1: and a blessing to be in fellowship with you.
0: Yes, absolutely. Amen. Give us, before you sign off, before we sign off, give us how people can connect with you, how they can follow you. Yeah, so our
1: homeschool website is chessup.org and that's mm-hmm. chessu porg mm-hmm. um, and if you want to see what we're doing politically, if you will, that's team Illinois, that's team il.org mm-hmm. and then I'm all social media at Latasha H. Fields
2: mm-hmm.
1: and our podcast, which is new, you know, we're growing in that as well. I'm trying to get fancy like Nikea. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's uh, Be Louder from the bottom up or just Be Louder podcast. And we're on Apple and Spotify as well. So just feel free to connect and join with us. Uh, like I always say, we have a lively group. This is a group of wonderful, wonderful people that God is raising up here in Illinois, and especially in the city of Chicago. And so just just connect and and come on board. Because as I always said, we love fostering conversations, right? We love conversations about faith and politics and family and culture and, you know, always what's happening in the world, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, you guys. As you can see, I didn't mention it at the top of this episode, but We're calling this Fighting the Good Fight with Latasha Fields, and you see why. That's what I decided to name it. This woman fights the good fight of faith. She's done it in her personal life. She's doing it for her community. She's doing it for the state of Illinois. Uh, Just an amazing, amazing story. Thank you again so much for sharing.
1: Thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys.
0: God bless you, and thank you all for tuning in. We will see you on the next episode, and keep living victoriously. Bye, everybody. (music) Thank <music> you.